0: Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room, the free audio only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your
1: team every day.
0: Welcome to Locked On NBA on a Tuesday. I'm Wes Goldberg from the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors here with the host of Locked On Heat, David Ramil. Baylor wins the tournament. James Harden tweaks his hamstring again, and Paul Pierce is out at ESPN. But we begin today in Dallas, where the Mavericks ended Utah's nine-game winning streak with a 111 103 win. Luka Doncic finished with 31, nine, and eight. Dorian Finney-Smith added 23 points in the Mavericks have now won five straight games and are in seventh place in the Western Conference. After a rough start to the season for Dallas, they're playing their best basketball of the season. David, if they make it out of this play-in tournament, would you favor them in a potential first-round series, given where the Western Conference stands right now?
1: Favor them? No. I, I think that's still a little premature. I Look, I have faith that they can potentially win one. And look, that's a pretty sweeping statement in and of itself, right? I mean, it all depends on the particular matchup they would get in a kind of first-round matchup. But I think they're good enough to win a series, which is something that I don't think was part of the conversation a couple months ago.
0: Well, if they stay at where they're at at number seven, right, which would put them in the play-in tournament, but I think they're much better than Memphis, San Antonio, Golden State, uh, maybe if New Orleans or Sacramento end up backing into it, they're they're the favorites to win the play-in tournament and end up holding on to that seventh seed, right? And sure. If that happens, then you're looking at a potential uh, matchup in the first round with Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to poo-poo Phoenix, because they've been awesome. They've won six straight games, nine of their last ten. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, they're, they're playing out of their minds. Everything seems to be coming together with them. But if you put Luka Doncic and, and these Mavericks on the floor against Phoenix, look, I, I agree with you. I don't think that anybody should favor Dallas in that matchup. But you would feel pretty good about that. Versus if they were playing the Clippers or the Jazz or even the Nuggets or a healthy Lakers, right?
1: Uh, you mean they think you think they could possibly beat Phoenix pretty easily as things currently stand? Not not easily, but I think that
0: they're in a good position to, to pull off an upset Phoenix or otherwise. Because look, over the last 15 games that I mentioned, they got off to a really tough start to the season. There was coronavirus contact tracing stuff. And Luka's shot was a little off. He seemed out of shape. They were trying to still figure out some rotation stuff. Um, and health stuff, but over the last 15 games now, David, they are third in the league in net rating, sure. third in the league in offensive rating, eighth in the league, and defensive rating. And over that same 15 game stretch, Luca is just shredding the league. He's shooting 50% overall. He's better than 40% from three point range, which had been a major drawback to his game uh, before this. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I just. I think. Look, you're not going to talk about Luca as an MVP candidate again because the. the you know, we're talking about a seventh seed in the Western Conference and, and all these things. But if you're looking at teams that who, who could potentially pull off an upset, I think the Mavericks are the most likely team to pull off an upset in the first round. Maybe I
1: should reframe the question that way. Uh, you know, I, I, I'd still think that given his experience in these kind of situations, Dame Lillard is probably that player who can carry that team over any one of those top four seeds. And maybe they're not the roster as it's currently constructed. You still hope that they'll get Nurkic back and they'll still be able to turn things around. But as far as Dallas is concerned, I, I just even the conversation about Doncic. And look, he's certainly one of the top players in the league. But you match up against the Suns, against the Clippers, against the Nuggets. Is he the best player out on the floor against any of those teams? I'm not so sure that he is. I, I, you can I think he's better
0: than. I think he's the best player on the floor against Phoenix, uh, but not against the Clippers and the Nuggets.
1: Right. So, I mean, and the Nuggets winners of five straight i mean we've got to give them credit i mean the the yeah. trade has certainly seemed to coalesce things there it's turned a, a team that looked really really shaky for most of the season into a really good defensive unit they've been playing really fantastic and aaron gordon is an off-ball cutter and just constantly moving just adds a dimension to that offense that was missing for most of the season so i i, I could imagine or well where the nuggets were potentially supplant phoenix even though they're separated by about three four games right now I mean, you could look at the Nuggets being the second seed in the Western Conference. That wouldn't surprise me. And if that's the case, I don't like that matchup for the Mavericks. I I, I think it's a great story. I think there are still too many inconsistencies with Dallas. You know, their games seem to be, you know, feast or famine where they're either getting blown out or blowing out because it's just this high-level variance to their defense and even their offense to some degree. Like, they're barely eking out as far as their net rating is concerned. And I just think that – You've got a player like Tim Hardaway who can ignite, and he was a difference maker for for Dallas tonight. Especially, you know, when Dodgers playing as well as he is, you need somebody who's still going to be a secondary scorer. And that was Hardaway today. But you've got to incorporate Porzingis at some point. I mean, and who knows what his injury situation is going to be like? Uh, I just there are still too many concerns for me to say that they're a favorite. But I, you know, again, I think it's positive and progress to say they're a team that could pull off the upset. I, it's not as Uh, Far-fetched a statement as it was a couple months ago, and and that's progress. And and you know you like their chances against any of the other top four seeds, and maybe they could find a way to advance. I I just don't know what it would take specifically. I just
0: I think Luca Luca at this point is it feels like he's one of these guys who will just up his game in the postseason, right? And again, he's playing the best basketball of his career right now. and But you could target um, him and force you know, everybody else,
1: and I don't know that Hardaway or Finney Smith or anybody on that roster is going to be the guy that steps up if you are able to at least make things difficult for Doncic. Yeah.
0: No, I, I think that's the the hard thing is who's the second guy. Tim Hardaway has been nice for them. Um, I think their defense has been better, like I said, eighth in defensive rating over the last 15 games. You want to see that right. you know continue right yeah, over a larger sample size. What I like about them is they keep their turnovers really low, you know they're above average as a rebounding team. They're not great, but uh, you know they they take care of the ball. They get the ball back, and and if you do that and you have Luka, you at least have a shot. And their mm-hmm. their offense isn't as great as it was the season before, but um, the defense is certainly better, I think. And look, I, I'm not. And again, maybe I got a little excited at the start of the show to talk about <laughs> should they are they the favorites to upset or whatever it is that I said. But yeah, I they do beat think up Utah. They, team, they, they look.
1: They were embarrassing Utah for most they, of the game. So.
0: Yeah. Again, a Utah team that was going on to try to win 10 straight games, right? And, right. and look, I mentioned all those net ratings and stuff. The team that they follow most, most of the time in, in net rating is, is the Utah Jazz, who are awesome. But uh, I do think that the West right now, a lot of people were looking at it as like a five or six team kind of conference. And I think Dallas is at least doing enough here to elbow their way into the conversation of teams that matter. In the Western Conference, because again they are surging, they're playing their best basketball of the season, and if this continues over the next twenty-something games, who knows what can happen? Because they're two games uh, behind Portland for the sixth seed, two and a half behind the Lakers, who are you know limping right now for the fifth seed. Maybe we're not talking about a first-round upset team. You know, maybe we're talking about. I don't think that they're going to get to the point where they have home court advantage, but uh, maybe they can at least get out of this playing tournament. Um, Let's go to Brooklyn where Kyrie Irving scored 40 points and Jeff Green hit a pair of clutch free throws late to lift the Nets over the feisty Knicks, 114-112. to But the story of the game is James Harden, who played just four minutes after leaving with a hamstring injury that kept him out the previous two games. After the game, Steve Nash said that Harden thought something wasn't right before the game and tests were clear, but that there's no timeline on his return. David, should the Nets, who are just a half game
1: up on the Sixers for the number one seed in the East... Be cautious with James Harden at this point. No, I'll answer that question, but you said the story of the game is James Harden. I disagree. I think it was Jeff Green and him being in control of the offense and late in the fourth quarter when we were trying to pull away from the Knicks. What the hell was that all about? I mean, I know they were missing a couple Dude, of key he players. Had
0: great, he had that great yeah, that one-handed dunk where he like fended off the defender in midair and, and sort of contorted his body around. I love Jeff Green. He's actually one of my new favorite players because he oh came into the league as a high lottery pick. Completely disappointed over the first several years of his career, but has somehow managed to stay around. He's a guy who, when you look years and years and years from now at, at photos of like the great teams in NBA history from like this era, he's going to be in so many of those photos randomly. Like, he, he's just sort of always latched on to really good teams. I mean, talk about a guy who has figured out exactly what he wants to be in the NBA, and he's just the guy who is who just plays a role on good teams, on important teams. He's old, like how many TNT and ESPN and ABC games has Jeff Green played in? So many, but nobody. He's never the headliner,
1: he, but he's, 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 he's the I NBA I love Jeff Green. Always career. a bridesmaid, never a bride. And I, I, it just he's like always Fine. there. He, the, the, all that he potential. Get, he, but he gets paid, and he's going to be in the league for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, I sure. I'm okay I with it. I, I just you're surprised right. The story that, of the game is Jeff yeah. Green. I just surprised that he's like taking corner threes uh, in you know shot clock almost expiring. It's like yeah, let's go to Jeff Green. That's like a high percentile shot there. But as far as hard, he's their serve, what
0: best player? Like after after the big three in Brooklyn, Jeff Green is their what
1: best player? Like second, seventh, third.
0: Oh, no. uh, I mean, would
1: no. put- like fourth down from the big three there. I mean, Joe Harris, is, you can make a strong case for him. I don't know. Is he even much better yeah, than mean, LaMarcus right. Aldridge? I mean, I don't know. I, I, look, it's Jeff Green. Why are we I even talking about it? I, I know Green I brought fan. him up. Yeah, apparently. I know I should, I'll never bring him up again. Now I've learned my lesson. But look, as far as hard is concerned, yes, absolutely you take it easy. Like the distance between the top three, it's different than the Western Conference for obvious reasons. But the East – like the top three teams are there and then everybody else is below them stuck together, separated by like a handful of games. I don't think it matters what their first uh, first round matchup is going to be like. I think they could easily beat any of those teams, especially if they're healthy. Don't take any chances. Get all your key players as healthy as possible for this incredible playoff run. I mean, like you're poised for good good things and you're still able to pull off victories. If you can get at least one of the big three out there on a nightly basis, your, your, your chances are still pretty good. And look, it was Kyrie Irving having incredible – Pro, you know, incredible shots down to the stretch there. Aside from whatever Jeff Green was able to muster, I mean, it was a, a really impressive showing from him. And you don't want to take any risks. Like you, you've got to get your key players out there, right? I mean, I think you can still mm-hmm. massage the rest of the season and, and still be able to get a, a, you know their players back to full health, and then worry about that in the playoffs because you need all of them certainly in the playoffs.
0: No, I think you're right. Like I think home court advantage will could matter um, because the teams at the top. Are so close, I think. You know, if it's, it comes down to Philadelphia and Brooklyn in in the Eastern Conference finals, home court could decide who wins that game. I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility, but more important is just making sure that James Harden is healthy and that you get yeah. that far in the first place. So yeah. you've been cautious with Kevin Durant this whole time. You've been cautious with James Harden. You should continue to, you're, you've been cautious with Kyrie Irving, but in a different way, in that you don't ask about his whereabouts. And I guess that's being cautious with Kyrie. <laughs> Uh, but you've been cautious with your superstars all along. So you might as well just keep doing that because so far it's worked for you. We rank the top five prospects in the NBA draft and then get to some of this Paul Pierce
1: stuff. But first, David, tell the listeners about Locker Room. Well, this episode is brought to everybody by Locker. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made just for sports fans. The app is free to download. Once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Uh, look, it's easy to use, and you know, just it's a perfect place to start or join a conversation about the league. You'll find fans just like you on locker room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, to listen to your favorite locked-on NBA episode, and of course, you can find locked-on hosts across the NBA, uh, Major League Baseball, NHL, whatever sport you're looking for, and. Uh, We've been doing weekly uh, locker room sh- shows for, for across the whole network, so you'll be sure to find all of your lockdown, your favorite Lockdown hosts there. Go download the free Locker Room app now. It's currently available on all iOS devices, and be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. I can't wait to join you all on the app. Download the rock Locker Room app today. Locker Room, it's changing the way we talk about sports But one thing that's also been pretty consistent about changing your approach is rockauto.com. It's so... I don't know. It's just an uncomfortable situation to go order parts at a storefront. You've got access to computers, the same computers they have at those stores, and access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. It's a family-owned business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can choose from hundreds of manufacturers, and they're easy-to-use site. And you get everything you need with just a few easy clicks, delivered directly and safely to your door. Rockauto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Then go to the section that says, how did you hear about us, and enter locked on, so so, they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's rockauto.com.
0: Get all the sports news you need in less than 20 minutes with the new Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. We're going to get to what Jalen Suggs' tournament play means for his draft stock in a moment. But first, David, Paul Pierce finally did something that Dwayne Wade never did: get fired from ESPN. Uh, what is happening here with the Paul Pierce situation?
1: I it's completely just a weird whole breakdown from him. It Seemed like he just completely forgot what social media is. This is, you know, sending picture. What is it? The picture of a rocket emoji uh, years ago when he was blasting off to try and save uh, what's his name, uh, Blake Griffin, and free agency. I don't know. It yeah, was it's just all like, downhill from there. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, posting a video over uh, Instagram over the weekend of him, like apparently in some kind of uh, residence uh, with several exotic dancers in the background, Paul Pierce possibly smoking, certainly drinking, just, I guess, not exactly living up to the standards, the, the low standards that ESPN has set for their employees, but it was still enough. They fired him. They they mutually agreed to part ways, I guess. And not only that, but then Pierce later on posts something saying that the truth shall set you free and that good things are on the horizon, something to that effect. He, he seems like he's not dismayed in the least about it. So I just don't know what's going on with Pierce. But he's done. He's done. Did he he's just pull, anything. like, a Jimmy
0: Butler out of Minnesota? Did he just – was is he trying to demand a trade to, to like, Barstool or something? Okay. Oh, uh, and he's trying to leave ESPN and get out of his contract? I don't even – I don't know what's going on with him. The whole thing was really strange. Uh, It's certainly not what I think Disney is hoping their employees look like on social media platforms. I hope it was worth it for all 312 of the people that tuned into that live Instagram video of him. Yeah, but how many people have seen getting a shoulder rub? (laughs) I guess. Wow.
1: I mean, ask his wife. All we saw in the video was
0: the shoulder rub. I don't know. Yeah, I. I just look. I'm not. I understand that this is, again, not not what Disney wants their employees doing on social media. I get that. The fact that he was fired, basically, and we could call it parting ways or whatever, but the dude was fired. Um, look, I don't know what to think about it. But what we do know is that ESPN now has a, hole to, a Paul Pierce-sized hole to fill in their basketball yeah. coverage. Who do you want to see stepping into that role?
1: Oh, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's anybody really that comes to mind right away. I, I just I'm looking at the best voices in basketball and they and they're probably not even discovered or certainly not uh, on national television anyway. Uh, but you look at maybe Dwayne Wade, Candace Parker, like those two have been so phenomenal and provide such a sharp contrast from the rest of the athlete-driven media perspective, like you've got the old heads like Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal and even Kenny uh, to some degree just constantly arguing talking about the game, shooting down players you've got Shaq's bizarre interaction with Donovan Mitchell from a couple months ago, like this just seems to be a recurring pattern and here all of a sudden is a gift horse delivered directly to you where you can say you know what, I'm, I'm able to jettison the dead weight of Paul Pierce and his meaningless opinions off the set and I can bring somebody in with some actual informed perspective this is a great opportunity, I hope ESPN doesn't blow it but they're also the the network that hired kendrick perkins so what do i know
0: (laughs) i will say this this is the most entertained i've been by paul pierce in a very long
1: time (laughs) has he he ever got anything right like i i mean i know when it comes to his heat hate them he just—he has never been accurate about their chances in the playoffs or anything about you know. I think he—he he didn't like the addition of Jimmy Butler, what? thought they were going to be a bad team, yeah. or whatever. So I mean, it's been no, pretty. What's your, clear. what's your
0: all-time favorite? What's your all-time favorite Paul Pierce moment on TV? Because I'll tell you mine really quick. I'll give you a moment to think about yours. Uh, aside from getting very... carted
1: off and, and crapping your pants, I mean that's a pretty low <laughs> moment. But that's no, no, a no, no. In, in a, as a broadcaster, oh, I mean, well, okay. As a, broad, no, yeah, as a I mean, player, hey, as a player, So we never know if he hasn't uh, crapped his pants as a broadcaster? Because I don't for certain. That's the look well, on Rachel Nichols he, face. He did, you know, just you me- know. he did just metaphorically
0: crap his pants. That's what just happened there. But <laughs> uh, I will never forget him as a player throwing his headband into the Brooklyn Nets stands and then a fan just whipping it right back at him. I don't know anything to do with your sweaty headband, Paul Pierce. That was to me an all time <laughs> moment for him on the court. Uh, as a broadcaster, I will never forget Jalen Rowe during the height of the, and this is why I brought up Dwayne Wade at the start of the segment, when Paul Pierce yeah. was saying that he had a better career than Paul Pierce and even... You know, the great John Corrales, the host of uh, Locked On Celtics and and will host tomorrow's Locked On NBA show. He and I got into it on Twitter. John Corrales, I still think, to this day, I still think, uh, thinks there's an argument worth having, Dwayne Wade versus Paul Pierce. And John, I will tell you, there is not an argument worth having. And if if you need further proof, Dwayne Wade, to David's point, is a much better broadcaster than Paul Pierce was. I mean, (laughs) Dwayne Wade is literally better at everything Paul Pierce ever was at, other than, of course, screwing himself up on Instagram Live. Uh, yeah. But I'll say when Jalen Rose just listed Dwayne Wade's resume versus Paul Pierce's resume on an episode yeah. of Countdown or something, and all Paul Pierce could do was just stand, sit there and take it, that was my all-time
1: favorite. Yeah. Staring off into the oblivion, right? I mean, it was just wonderful. That's right,
0: yes. <laughs> um, all right, Jalen Suggs finished with uh, 22 points on 8 of 15 shooting, but Gonzaga fell to Baylor in the championship game, squandering a chance at the first undefeated season in 45 years. Uh, And costing me some entertainment dollars, David. But Suggs is probably the player of the tournament, considering all that he achieved. That great Final Four, buzzer beater in overtime, one of the all-time great shots. I think right now, David, it would be a good time to just take some draft stock here and look at the top five prospects. Because all along, we've been thinking it's the same basic group of five. Cade Cunningham, in, in some order, Cade Cunningham is really the consensus top pick. And then after that, it's really an, a jumbled mix. Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga. I think a lot of people had Jalen Green and Mobley up there. But I do think that Jalen Suggs, what he did in the tournament, maybe
1: put him into that top three category. What do you think? Yeah, I guess that's fair. I'm, I'm trying to think whether or not a player, has, has, whether or not their stock has dropped Having a bad performance and twenty two games, you know, twenty two points is fine, but I, I just felt like they were mostly ineffective. Like I, I, I know he was certainly targeted by Baylor's defense, but he, it seemed like even when he did have the ball, and he picked up a couple early fouls. So I know it was, he never got into his rhythm, but just. He didn't look smooth out there, and I don't know if it was a difficult moment for him. I don't know if it was the combination of the defense and maybe some jitters or something like that. But he did not look like the poised player that you want to invest your future on and well, and potentially build they, your. They
0: they lost by a bunch of points, and and I do not And Jalen Suggs was the leading scorer for most of the game, not just for Gonzaga but for all players. Butler from Baylor ended up getting 22 points late and sort of tying Suggs for the high score of the game. I don't think you could. I think he just. I don't think that that game hurt his draft stock at all and i and if you look at the bigger picture of his tournament play in general uh i think it probably helped his draft stock
1: yeah yeah i mean that's that's probably fair i I think that's how most scouting uh, looks at a bigger picture like that a combined level of work but you all you always want to see a player rise up in those situations and and while he was their leading scorer i still don't think he made the most and maximized the opportunity like if there's anything that we all know from covering the league is that these opportunities are very few and far between and you always want to take advantage of them when they're there because you could spend the rest of your career trying to get to this point and never get there. I mean, certainly if he joins a lottery bound team next year, he could wind up going years without ever making the playoffs and then once he does, once he does it's always about making that, that slow incremental growth and hopefully that you can build a roster around him and get that key free agent or something like that, you know, to from being a first round exit to maybe winning that first round series and then eventually moving up and up up but that could take six seven eight years even longer in some cases you never want to depend on that so i i don't know it's just i have concerns but you're right as far as top five status certainly there. top three status good argument that he could probably make it there and this will change as much as we're saying this now on the yeah. eve of the ncaa championship uh or the men's championship i should add these players will rotate well I think after Cunningham they're certainly rotate we'll see some name kind of slip in there maybe some potential maybe something will happen at a combine or in certain situations where a player's status will all of a sudden rise and take us by surprise it always happens invariably every year so we'll see what happens
0: and we're getting and we're getting a combine this year uh, early like we know about it early on now as opposed yep. to last year where it was sort of haphazard uh, and you're right everything can change there. i think a guy like Evan Mobley from USC uh, it, with his athleticism, a guy like Jonathan Kaminga, Jalen Green, with their athleticism can certainly rise. But I think Suggs, what I think executives and scouts will probably keep coming back to is that dude really showed up in the tournament. And, I, and you could, we could dis, we could debate if he didn't play up to standard in, in the championship game. I, I'm a little bit less harsh on him than you are. But um, that that is at least something that – and look, Evan Mobley had a nice tournament too, so I shouldn't poo-poo that. But he did lose to Jalen Suggs. Yeah. Uh C- Cunningham had a nice tournament before his team got outed as well. But um, Suggs had by far the best tournament um, and captured headlines more than anybody else did. And, and that could help him. Uh, is there we'll a get team that you think other other in- make an impact with? I think the Warriors, the team I cover, would would be benefit from him the most. Because uh, but besides Cade Cunningham, I think Jalen Suggs is the most NBA-ready player of this top five group that we're talking about. Jalen Green and Kaminga, they need to go somewhere where they get more about a fit, lot right? of rope. Yeah, they need they need like an Anthony Edwards, Lamelo ball type situation where they need some rope and they need a, a, a opportunity to play through mistakes because I think both of those guys could be really, really good and potentially the best players in this draft. But it's going to take years to get there, and they're going to need to play through some of that stuff where I think Cunningham mm-hmm. and Suggs can help a good team right away. Uh, and Mobley, to a certain respect, can too, but it's going to be more about a fit, I think, with him. Um, all right we'll get to some other other NBA scores from Monday night before looking at what's wrong with the Warriors but first David tell the listeners about bet online
1: well it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action the football's over the NBA and you know college basketball is on pause but soon enough it'll be restarting again the NHL though is in full swing Major League Baseball. BetOnline covers awards, TV TV shows, reality TV, anything you can imagine, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON.
0: Get more analysis of the top Prospects available in this year's NBA Draft with Locked On NBA Draft, the podcast that has scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credential draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Let's get to some of the other scores from around the NBA on Monday. Pascal Siakam scored 22 points, and Gary Trent Jr. continues to play well for them since coming over at the trade deadline with 16 points as the Raptors beat the Wizards 103-101. to Sacramento lost to the Timberwolves 116-106, an embarrassing loss for the Kings, who waste a quality 31.9 assist game from De'Aaron Fox. Carl Anthony Towns from Minnesota had 23 points, 13 rebounds and 5 assists. The Kings have now lost 4 straight, and they've fallen a game and a half behind the Warriors for the 10th seeded final spot in the play-in tournament. Jeremy Grant scored 21 points as the Pistons beat the Thunder 132-108. The Cavs got a nice 125-101 win over the Spurs, Darius Garland exploded, 37 points and 7 assists. And then finally, Devin Booker scored 36 points, and the Suns staved off a late rally by the Rockets to get a 133-130 to 130 win in Houston.
1: Look, you mentioned the Warriors before uh, in terms of their drafts, prospects, and things of that sort, but uh, they host the Bucks tonight on TNT, and it's not going to be uh, the typical matchup as it has been in years past with some heavyweight players there. Uh, it's not the, the same kind of... Big game that people would have hoped for It said the Warriors are reeling. They've lost seven of their last eight games, including the last three in a row. Steph Curry is dealing with a lingering injury to his tailbone. The Warriors have fallen four games below 500, as you mentioned, and they're barely holding on to the final spot of the play-in tournament, which if it did not exist, the Warriors would be two and a half games behind Memphis for the final playoff spot. So their only hope of making the postseason is the play-in tournament at this point. So the big question, Wes, is – are they even a championship contender? Obviously, a lot of people kind of have this season on pause with the expectation that if Clay Thompson rejoins them and is back to, I guess, close to full strength, they could immediately become a playoff team, if not a legitimate title contender. Is that where the Warriors are right now? Are they a title contender with Clay Thompson back?
0: I don't think they are. And I think the front office needs to come to grips with that reality, that even when you add Clay Thompson, because again, like you said, coming off of consecutive ACL and Achilles tears, what does he look like when he comes back? He look, he'll probably still be the shooter that he is. But he already said a couple a month, uh, month ago or so that when he comes back, he's not going to be playing 40 minutes a night and at the level. Like, it's going to take him a while. And you look at these injuries; it usually takes you about a season before you're really back to where it is that you want to be. I and mean, Kevin Durant this year came back from his Achilles, but he's been dealing with some lingering other. Lower body body injuries and stuff like that. I mean, it right. takes a while to bounce back, and uh, I, I think that this front office would be fooling themselves if they think that just adding Clay Thompson to this mix would turn the Warriors into a championship team. Because let's look at the top. I mean, yeah, you'll you'll have Steph and Clay and Draymond; those are the familiar names. And you would argue, and I think, you know, Warriors fans would argue right that hey, we didn't have Kevin Durant for most of the 2019. Finals run, and we still got to the to the NBA Finals, right? And you look before, before Durant got there, we won seventy three games and all that. But that was two years ago. That was twenty nineteen. All sure. these players have, have aged. Draymond Green is in clearly a different phase of his career. Steph is still playing at an MVP caliber level. Like you look at his stats now versus five years ago when he was the unanimous MVP. They're basically identical, but. Again, with Clay, we don't know what he's going to look like when he comes back. But even all that stuff at the top, before we even get to, to really digging into all that, and you can't really because until Clay comes back and you see what he looks like. But the rest of this roster is not even close. And, yeah. and I think they're paying the price for those finals runs because Steph is going to be signed to a new extension this summer, probably. Clay Thompson has gotten paid that new extension. Draymond Green is in the first year of that big extension that he signed. And now you're now you kind of have to pay up for for all that success that you had and. Now, you don't get to have Andre Iguodala coming off the bench making $16 million as a six man. Sean Livingston making what he made as backup. Like those guys, there was a talent drain and sort of a basketball IQ drain for the Warriors that have happened because now you've replaced Iguodala and Livingston, and Andrew Bogut and these guys, and, and, you know, Leandro Barbosa years ago coming off the, those sort of players coming off the bench. Instead, you got Damian Lee and Jordan Poole and Juan Descano Anderson, and these are nice players, but. Uh, very far from the type of player that uh, used to fill out that Warriors rotation. You're talking about guys that are like ninth, 10th men versus guys who could be arguably starters and certainly above average you know, rotation players. Uh, that, to me, is the biggest thing that the Warriors need to fix. Get Klay Thompson back. That's going to be great. But you can't just rely on that. Uh, we haven't even gotten to the James Wiseman part of it yet, David. Sure. And that's a huge and maybe the biggest part of it. But before you get to any of that stuff, and all of those what ifs you need to go out this off season and figure out how to supplement this roster and you don't really have that many ways to do it you might get this Minnesota pick you might get your own lottery pick but other than that like Kelly Oubre I don't think he's a fit long term he probably ends up walking in free agency you're gonna have the mid-level exception a couple minimum contracts I don't know you're really gonna have to hit on the fringes here
1: yeah and that's it's tough for this currently comprised for an office and coaching staff to, to look that far ahead because that was never the like they built this team to be a contender years ago but ages kicked in the, they've swung and missed on a couple of additions there I, I guess maybe you could make a case that Wiggins would have been a much more effective player if you have Clay Thompson there or that Ubrey would have been a good fit if you had Thompson there but maybe you wouldn't have even needed to add a player like that if Thompson would be fully healthy but you you, you can't you can't continue to contend around that trio because as you pointed out they're towards the later you know, phase of their career, even, even Curry, as good as he's been this year, I don't know that you can count on him being fully healthy for a full season going forward. Like there's going to be a pretty good chance that he'll miss a handful of games here and there over the course of his, the rest of his career. And if that's the case, how long before, you know, the bottom drops out, you haven't been able to make those kind of adjustments. And I know that you know, you could probably speak to this a lot more than I could, but Steve Kerr, I know, has been criticized a lot because he was never hired for this specific role. Uh, you know, again, everything's changed around him and he hasn't necessarily been able to adapt as well. And so now you have questions about what team you are and what team you want to be moving forward and not a lot of opportunity to, to you know make those kind of corrections on the fly here without sacrificing key players or key success or even whole yeah. seasons. And, and that's a, a difficult place for Warriors fans to be in.
0: Well, that's where the James Wiseman bit comes in, right? Because he's the guy that keeps the floor from falling out from underneath this team, right? He's the guy that's supposed to bridge the 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 right. present and the future, and he's just been bad as a rookie. And, and and there's things that are kind of out of his control. Like he missed, there was no summer league. He only played 69 minutes at Memphis, so he's got even less experience than a typical rookie that would come in because he didn't play a whole college season. Uh, missed training camp because of the coronavirus, missed 11 games because of wrist injury, missed three more games because of contact tracing. Like, it's just been an up-and-down season for him. He's trying to work his way onto a team uh, that is pretty established in its identity, or at least was, uh, versus a guy like LaMelo Ball, who can just sort of walk into Charlotte and becomes the identity. Or a, a player like Anthony Edwards, who goes into Minnesota, and D'Angelo Russell gets hurt, and they're just like, hey, you do something. Right. Uh, they're not asking Wiseman to do that. And I think, look, Steve Kerr's come under a lot of criticism, like you said. I think some of it's warranted, right? You you could definitely run more pick and roll than he has. He tends to sort of stiff arm the concept of running a lot of pick and roll. I don't think you need to go full James Harden level pick and roll type of offense, but there's probably somewhere in the middle between that and running very little pick and roll like they currently do because this isn't Zaza Pachulia or Andrew Bogut at center anymore, right? You pick this guy at number two, James Wiseman, you need to build around him just as if you would anybody else that you picked at number two, just like Charlotte is building around LaMelo and just like Minnesota is building around Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and these guys. You need to figure out your offense. And if Steph Curry is really that great, and by the way, he is, then he'll be able to figure it out, even if the offense isn't 100% tailored to him anymore, just like it wasn't 100% tailored to him when Kevin Durant was there. And you, I uh, hesitate to compare Kevin Durant to, to James Wiseman, but in terms of level of commitment you have to these players, it's exactly the same, right? right. At least at this point now... At the end of the season, you've got 22 more games if you're the Warriors, 22 more games to monitor James Wiseman's development. He needs to take a big leap over this next— or, or show you something that gives you some sort of faith and confidence that he hasn't completely regressed because, I mean, he's got no confidence out there. It's it, It's been months since we've had the last wow moment, that last flash moment where you know you put him on SportsCenter and you're like, wow, this is what he can be one day. Right. I, I don't want to— go. I, Look, this already happened with Markel Fultz not long ago. Just because you're super talented and have all the talent in the world, con- like confidence issues earlier in your career can just shatter your 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 career. And and I'm not saying that that's happening with Wiseman right now, but it's if you're the Warriors and you don't see what you need to see by the end of the season, then you have to have some adult conversations after this thing is done and say, hey, is is this sort of the 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 wagon we want to— Hitch the cart or whatever that is. What's yep. that saying, David? I don't even know. No, no, uh no, I like it. Hitch, hitch the wagon to that cart. There you go. Yeah. Is this what we want to do here? Do we want to hitch that cart to that wagon? Uh, <laughs> it'd go nowhere because that's what would happen. um
1: Then that's. So what know. does it take? What's is that's how sort of what realistic <laughs> is it? How, how realistic is it that Wiseman can't take a lead? Because I'm looking at that second-year leap that rookies often get. And, you know, especially this season, without that, that kind of the G League experience or even the Summer League experience, excuse me, and being able to go back and forth perhaps and get some work in the G League to give him the more experience that he needs in order to progress at the NBA level and, and so on. I mean, those kinds of developmental steps have been missing for most rookies this season. And, yeah, you see some rookies thrive and others like Wiseman potentially fail. Can he make the leap? Because I'm optimistic that he can, but you would know about it better than I would.
0: No, I I think I'm with you. I'm optimistic. If you get him out of this season, uh, right. put him in a non pandemic related season, I mean again, I mean the guy played so little. I mean, he played sixty nine minutes since his senior year of high school and he was and he didn't play any training camp or any preseason and was starting against the Brooklyn Nets on opening night. I mean, that's <laughs> tough. Uh, it is. like the, and so uh, you know, You give him a regular offseason with a summer league and time to develop and just let him go to the weight room at Chase Center and and work out without the bright lights and all these things that are stressing him out. Yeah, I think that you could expect a leap maybe in his second year. But if you don't get that leap, then then time's running out. Because, look, I think Wiseman could be a good player. There's no question about it. He's got all the talent in the world. There's nothing he can't do on the floor uh, if if you're talking about his ceiling. Uh, But he's 20 years old. He's got a lot of time. But Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, they don't have a lot of time anymore. And and so if you're the Warriors, maybe you have to get to a point where, hey, this guy's not coming along as fast as we thought. He's not going to be our JaVale McGee type right away even. And so maybe we need to move him and this Minnesota pick and the Andrew Wiggins contract or whatever else it takes to put a package together. Maybe we're not getting a player in return with the ceiling and the upside that Wiseman has, but at least that player can help us right now. I think that's a a conversation the front office may have to have if they do want to maximize Steph's prime. And that's an if, because I don't know that that's the case, David. I really don't. I I don't know if if they may prioritize being good in 2027 or 2028 more than they prioritize being a championship contender in 2022. I don't have that answer. But I think when push comes to shove and you want Steph Curry to sign that extension and do right by him and Clay and Draymond, I think ultimately that they should and will decide, hey, we need to do what we can to become a championship, a bona fide contender again because you know this, it's getting really it's, really it's getting really heavy at the top in the NBA right now. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, that'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on NBA wherever you listen to podcast for 30 minutes of the NBA's top stories every day. We'll be back here next Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find me at Locked on Warriors and David over at Locked on Heat. Thanks for listening.